Take your Bibles, go back to Romans chapter 1. I want to finish uh, tonight's message, uh, why I'm excited to minister in California and why you should be also. Um, and use that text. Let me read it to you again. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. I'll read this uh, to you. Romans chapter 1. Verses 14 through 17. Romans 1, 14 says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome, you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for calling us uh, to California. I am, I am so glad for the church family you've given us here at Elmira, uh, for the love, the sincere love, the genuine love that we have for each other, the grace that you've given us, that you've poured out upon us, uh, the change you've made in our lives that you've taken us out of trouble and out of sin and out of destruction and brought us into light and glory and peace, that you've taken away our anxiety and given us a faith and a confidence in your work in our lives. And I ask this evening that you would again stir us up to minister here in the country, of, in the country state of California, to give us a fresh vision for reaching our community, whether it's Elmira or Vacaville or Fairfield or Dixon. Give us a fresh vision for reaching the people around us. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, in 1994, as part of my uh, college education, I went to Russia for a couple weeks. I went to the Kamchatka Peninsula, which is on the far eastern edge, right across that Bering Strait from uh, Alaska. So I actually flew up the west coast to Anchorage and then caught a, a flight, uh, uh, an Alaska air flight, if I remember right, from Anchorage to Magadan. And then I'm sure it was an Aeroflot flight, that's the Russian national airline, from Magadan to Petropavlovsk. A friend of mine was, was uh, kind enough about several months before I left and was going to fly an Aeroflot. He knew I was going to fly in that Russian airline. And he brought me an article back in the mid-90s there where uh, the uh, plane had a leak in the hydraulic system. Kurt, you'll appreciate this. There was a leak in the hydraulic system while they were in the air and somehow they accessed the hydraulic system and put in lemonade so that they get the hydraulics to work and lay on the plane. And the, the lesson I took away from that was don't drink the lemonade on the plane. If it can be substituted for hydraulic fluid, it's probably not very good for you. Uh, but anyway, I was there in Petropavlovsk. I also spent some time in Magadan, and that's a story in itself. But I remember I didn't know Russian, and I was assigned a, a translator, and, and the translator was helpful. Uh, spent a lot of time with the missionary and, and his translator also. But long story short, I remember thinking, boy, if I could only speak to these people in Russian... You know, you'd see people on the street. They obviously had no hope. This was, like I said, 1994. The Soviet empire had just collapsed. It was, a, it was a very difficult time for the Russians. If only I could speak to them in Russian. Well, the truth is, you and I know English. And most people around us speak English. 
And we have opportunities every day to give the gospel to folks. And I want you to be excited, not only that God's called you to California to live, but excited that you can be a part of the mission work that God is doing here, a part of the work that God is doing here. There's some reasons. There's some reasons that I want you to be excited that you're in California. First reason is because God put you in California. I mean, you're not here. Well, some of you are here by your choice. Perhaps you feel, you know, I made that decision. But the truth is God put us here. I think of Esther. She's an orphan. So she's grown up with her uncle or cousin, excuse me, Mordecai. Uh, And then suddenly she is literally ripped out of that home and brought into the king's harem, Ahasuerus's uh, a palace. Let me ask you the question, just rhetorically, don't, don't answer it out loud, but do you think that's where Esther wanted to be? And the answer is no. I mean, who would want to be in the king's palace? All this court intrigue, and she's taken away from her family. She's in, a, in, the, in the palace of a Gentile. She's not going to be treated with any dignity or respect. Why would that happen? And Mordecai reminds her in Mordecai, in Mordecai, in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai reminds her that the Lord, God, puts you here for such a time as this. And I know that God has brought each one of us different places, different ways, some through our careers, some through perhaps children, uh, some through uh, a retirement or whatever. God brought us here. We should be excited to be here. Do you know if, if California were a country... It would be the 39th most populous country in the world. California has more people than Sweden, Cuba, Congo, and Mongolia combined. You know, we think about sending a missionary to a far-off country, uh, a, a country like Taiwan. Do you realize California has more people than Taiwan? Or we think, we're going to send a missionary to Poland. California has more people than Poland. Uh, Australia. California, uh, California has more people than Australia. There, there are almost 40 million people in this state. Just think about where we're located. We are located about halfway between the Bay Area and San Francisco. I was just reading some statistics, and the population of the Bay Area is about 7.5 million people. 7.5 million people. We will never run out of people to reach. Oh, that's just on the barrier side. On the Sacramento side, I understand there's another 2.1, 2.2 million people to reach. That means almost 10 million people within an hour's drive of us. That is great that God put us here. The city next door, Vacaville, I say next door because technically we're not in Vacaville. Now, I know the city line is like 20 feet away, but we're technically in Elmira. The city next door, Vacaville, has 100,000 people. Do you realize that in the whole state of Oregon, there's Portland, which has several hundred thousand people. There's Salem and there's Eugene. Those are the only three cities of over 100,000 people in Oregon. I remember being in Indiana with some friends. Some of you know Andrew and Courtney, and there were some other friends I was there to visit. The whole of Indiana only has about 4 million people. We have more people in the Bay Area than there are in some entire states in the United States. It's just crazy how many people are here. It's great. We have so many people to whom we can minister. I am not making a, a, a political comment on the war between Russia and Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine and Ukraine, but you remember when uh, the Ukrainian president, 
Zelensky was offered a chance to leave Kiev and to travel somewhere that was safer. You remember what he said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Now that's a patriot. That's my point. That's a patriot. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. I don't need a path out of California, and you don't need a path out of California. What we need is we need God's grace to minister right here where we're at. We need the power of God's Holy Spirit to fill us, to fill our lives, to fill our speech, so that we can have an impact right here among nearly 10 million people. There's a second reason that I'm excited to be in California, and that I'm excited, that I think you should be excited to be here. And that is because God is still sovereign. Now, I know a lot of people who say they believe in the sovereignty of God, and then they act very differently. God is still sovereign. You know what that means? God still rules here in California. Now, I understand, you understand, that people make sinful choices. That is not God's fault. It's our fault. But God is still in charge here in California. God still rules. He is still sovereign. I think of a pastor. He ministered in the city of San Francisco at Hamilton Square Baptist Church. Dr. Ennis, he's going to be with us in two weeks. He's our preacher at uh, the Thanksgiving banquet. He retired just about a year and a half ago now. And I was invited. There was about 20 of us, 40 of us. I don't know how many people were invited, but 20, 30 of us who got together for a little retirement party for him. And I remember at that retirement party, he said, don't forget God is still sovereign. 45 years of ministry in San Francisco. How much has San Francisco changed in 45 years? It'd be very easy for him to say, oh boy, it's just getting worse. It's just going to get worse. And I don't know. I'm glad I'm getting out of San Francisco. No, he still lives in, well, he lives in Daly City, but he's pretty close. God is still sovereign. When Daniel... And his three friends, we often refer to them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When Daniel and his three friends were taken out of Judah and taken to the idolatrous nation of Babylon, was God still in charge? Yeah, God still was in charge. In fact, he put Daniel and his three friends there for a reason. And when they followed God where he was at, he exalted them to places of influence and power. God is still sovereign. But I want to encourage you as well that God's Holy Spirit still guides us and God's grace still empowers us so that we can live righteous today. Turn with me to Titus chapter uh, 2. We looked at these verses a couple of weeks ago and I just want to keep them in front of you. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to read to you verses 11 and 12. God has brought us here. God is still sovereign. God's Holy Spirit and God's grace still enables me to live righteously, even in a very wicked place. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Not in some future world, not some world that's in the past, but God's grace gives me the power and the wisdom, and the guidance to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. There's a fourth reason why I think that you should be excited, and why I'm excited to minister in California, and that's because the ministry that God has entrusted to us is a vital rope that's tied to the anchor of God's Word. 
I mentioned this morning, we live in a society that does not, increasingly does not make sense. People make statements and you think, what in the world are they thinking? How could you come to that conclusion? And it's because they have a reprobate mind. And one of our ministries is we have the word of God. This is where we can find truth. This is where we can find answers. When your coworkers come to you and they say, boy, my marriage is in trouble. Guess what the answer is? It's the word of God. And it's the grace of God. It's not some talk show. It's not some book on marriage that they're going to read. It's not some program. They're going to need God's grace and they're going to need God's word. And guess who has that answer for them? You do. When someone comes to you and says, my young, my child, my teenager, I mean, they're just, they're so messed up. What do I do? You know what? The, the only hope is in God's word. The only hope is in God's grace, changing the parent's life and changing the child's life. And guess what? You have that message. We are that rope, so to speak, between the anchor of God's word, which never changes, and these boats that are floating out on life's sea and they're getting pushed this way and that way and the wind comes up and they go this way and the waves push them that way. They don't know where they're going. We're that rope that provides a connection to the anchor of God's word. We know that the foundation, we know that the foundation is Jesus Christ. Amen. We know that our country was blessed when we followed God. And that one of the reasons we're not blessed today is because we're not following God. We live in a society with, with literal cultural amnesia. They can't tell you what happened 100 years ago, 50 years ago. They don't know. And we know. We can know. We can be that, uh, that lighthouse of truth. I, I agree that we need a less greedy society. What is the answer to covetousness? Jesus Christ. Remembering that God's word says what? Thou shalt not covet. We're that vital rope between the anchor of God's word and our society. I agree that we need a less violent society. And you know what the answer is? Jesus. And remembering that the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Remembering that the Bible says, treat others as you would like to be treated. Yes, we need a less polarized society. You know what the answer to a less polarized society is? It's Jesus. And remembering that God says, not only love your neighbor, but God says, love your enemy. You know, we're the only ones that have the grace that can do that. Uh, a person who's not a part of God's family is not a Christian. They can say, oh yeah, I love my enemy. But what they're really doing is hoping they're, they can get close to their enemy to stab them. We're the only ones with the grace of God and God's word saying, love your enemy. We can pray for those who mock us. We can pray for those who despitefully use us. We can pray for those that try to ruin us. Number five, the fifth reason that I want you to be excited to minister in California, and the fifth reason I'm excited to minister in California is because ultimately God will prevail. God's people will prevail. God's truth will prevail. There's a lot of talk in our society about being on the right side of history. Let me remind you, God's people are always on the right side of history. God's people are always on the right side of history. Here's Daniel. I mentioned earlier, he's taken out of Judah. He's taken to Babylon. It looks like the Babylonians have defeated the Jews. 
It looks like that's the end of the Jewish nation. But let me ask you today, can you go to a nation where there are Jews today? Yeah. Can you go to a Babylon today? No, it's been destroyed. As God predicted, by the way. Not only that, but later another nation, the Medes and the Persians, they come in and they conquer Babylon. And you would think, well, that's the end of Daniel then, right? I mean, hey, he was on the Babylonian side. Obviously, the, the Persians, the Medes, they're going to see him as the enemy. They're, they're going to kick him out of office. No, what, is, what does King Darius do? He elevates Daniel to a position that's only shared by two other men. There's three men. There's this group of three men that Darius makes his chief advisors in the whole country. That's God's sovereignty. That's God's people being on the right side of history. And it's amazing if you read the end of Daniel, chapter 12, get toward the end of the chapter, you'll see that God promises Daniel that he will stand in his appointed place in the land in the forever kingdom. That's the right side of history. There may be a lot of bad things that happen to us in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years, both as Americans and as Christians. That may be true. We may face economic struggles. We may face persecution. We may face, we're obviously going to face people who are against us. But guess what? In the forever kingdom, not the millennial kingdom, the forever kingdom, we're going to be there. You're going to have a place there. That's being on the right side of history. Psalm chapter 2, the first four verses say, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And here's God's response, verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. God is not threatened by them. God isn't wringing his hands, wondering what he's going to do with California. God isn't scratching his head saying, what if Governor Newsom runs for president? God knows exactly what he's going to do. Not only does God know exactly what Governor Newsom is going to do, God knows exactly what God's going to do. And the question isn't, what are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stay on God's side. We're going to trust him. We're going to pray. We're going to ask him to change us change our family, change our communities, and by changing individuals, changing communities, change our entire nation. That's what we're going to do. I mentioned this morning in, in the beginning of the message about running through a cloud of gnats. I think sometimes, again, we're fighting gnats instead of running the race that God has set before us. The answer is not going to be found in a program. It's not going to be found in politics the answer is found in God himself. You can move to another part of the country, and if God calls you to move, you follow God's will for your life. But as long as God leaves you, leaves you here in California, I want you to be excited to be here. I want you to see it as an opportunity to serve God in one of the most populous places on earth. One of the places where it's so dark that any light shines brightly. A place where the enemy is all around us so we can shoot in any direction. Chester Puller, Chesty Puller, was the commander of the 1st Marine Regiment in the Korean War. He actually had a very distinguished, distinguished career in the military, mostly with the Marines. And does some of you know his story at the Battle of Chosen Reservoir? They had been working their way up through the hills. Their job was to find the enemy, find the Chinese that were attacking. 
And he said, we've been looking for the enemy for some time now. We've finally found him. We're surrounded. That simplifies things. And he extracted his men out of what should have been a trap that would have destroyed them all. But here's my point. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't give up and he didn't surrender. He figured we can fight in any direction now. And that's the attitude I want us as Elmira Baptist Church to have. We're not going to be discouraged. We're not going to surrender. We're not going to give up. We're not just going to hold on until the rapture comes. We're going to go out and be the salt of the earth. We're going to go out. We're going to be the light of the world. This is our place to influence for Jesus Christ. And we have so many people here. We'll never reach them all without God's help. So don't worry about running out of people. Don't worry about running out of people to witness to. Tell that next person. Ask God to open your eyes and show you a field that is white to harvest. White. It's ready to be harvested. We just have to put in the work. Father, thank you for the opportunity uh, to serve you in this great place. Literally millions of people uh, within an hour's drive of us. Uh, folks, some, some of them we know. We have friends. We have family here. Some of them we don't know. Some of them we've met. Some of them we haven't met. Father, you tell us that the fields are white to harvest and that we ought to pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into his harvest field. And so we do that tonight. We ask you, Father, to push laborers into the harvest field. Push laborers from Elmira Baptist Church into the harvest field. Push us into the harvest field of Dixon and the harvest field of Elmira and the harvest field of Vacaville and the harvest field of Fairfield. Push us into the harvest. Open our eyes. Show us the folks to whom we need to talk. Give us the words to say. You promise that in the, in the hour that we need, you'll give us the very words to say. We ask for that. We ask for the boldness and the courage to be verbal witnesses. We ask for your grace to change our lives so that our actions and our behaviors match up with what we're saying. We love you, Lord. We, we want to glorify and exalt you. We want to lift you up in this place in, in California. And we ask for your help to do that. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.